Welcome back to the Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Mudge Riley. I changed careers back in the early 2000s, and I found it difficult to find credible, reliable resources to help me. So once I successfully transitioned to a non-clinical career, I made it my mission to help other physicians who were looking at a possible non-clinical or non-traditional career, whether part-time, full-time, or just diversifying their career with a non-clinical side gig. We have a treat today for you. On today's podcast, we have two physicians who are going to talk about their non-clinical careers, how they got into them, what they were thinking as they were trying to figure out what to go into, and now how they feel about this company that they found, which is really a hidden gem that I think you guys are going to be excited to hear about. So let's just get started with Dr. Ted Bain and Dr. Austin Foley. Uh, Dr. Foley, would you go ahead and go first? Sure, that's not a problem, Michelle. So again, my name is Austin Foley. I'm a practicing emergency physician. I also work at BRC or Biodynamic Research Corporation. But as uh, far as my path, I don't know if you want me to get into my path in the BRC in medicine here, but um, I kind of had a more traditional route into medicine. I did my undergrad at the University of Arizona. I majored in biosystems engineering. And then when I graduated back in 2008, yeah, I think that's right, in 2008, I went to medical school at The Ohio State University, graduated, and then I actually joined the military when I was in medical school. And so I did my residency in San Antonio at the level one trauma here, um, SAMC, where I, again, was an emergency medicine resident. I did that for three years. And in 2015, after I finished my residency, I went to be a full-time active duty emergency physician. So I was stationed in Georgia and I was working at a kind of a community hospital, but there was an academic component to it. We didn't have ER residents, but we had surgery residents and um, internal medicine residents and a family medicine residency. And it was just a busy community type hospital. And that was where I was for the last four or five years. But it was actually when I was deployed um, in the Middle East that I came across the group that was replacing us, two of the physicians that replaced me in the ER, they were former ER physicians and they um, no longer did that. One, I believe was working for, I can't remember if it was Merit Medical, but uh, my medical device company. And the other one, I think just did some sort of consulting work. And so they were just kind of putting their two cents in about, hey, why don't you look at some other career options? Or that's what we do. It's a great lifestyle. We have these you know, great to have my family, evenings, things like that. And I actually had a patient that was medevaced and the flight surgeon who brought her in, he was talking about how he was doing sports medicine, how he was burned out with ER and had gone to the sports medicine route. And so I think those three individuals combined with some of my colleagues that were my mentors, I guess, they're trying to tell me to find a side gig that uh, really had me thinking from what would be a traditional ER career to maybe there's something else out there that I should start pursuing. And uh, that's kind of how I found BRC here. Um, so I don't know if you want me to dive into that as well or let Dr. Bain have an opportunity to talk or yeah. ramble here too much. Yeah, but let's sure. jump to let's let's jump to Dr. Bain and and hear a little sure. bit about his background and then we'll come back and and learn a little bit more about how you found BRC and um, a little bit more about what you do there. So hey, hey Ted, you wanna give a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, you're hearing from the old guy right now. You heard from the young guy. The old guy is uh, tapering off his uh, entire working career, and the young guy is uh, just 
getting into it full stride, but I, uh, I'm from the Great White North. I graduated uh, from uh, military college in Canada in 74 with a uh, nuclear engineering degree. I then flew in the Canadian Air Force for five years and uh, left and went to medical school. After graduating, I did a one-year internship, and then I started doing a combination of family medicine and ER, initially in the Toronto area. After eight years, I moved to Vancouver and became a full-time ER physician. Uh, during that time, uh, I grandfathered both of my, my what you consider Canadian boards in both family medicine and emergency medicine. And it was, uh, I had a 19-year career, and... I guess by that point, I was starting to struggle a little bit. The uh, shift work um, was, was dragging on me. I didn't realize how much it was until I had actually left medicine. Uh, another thing I was uh, struggling with was um, uh, this idea of uh, uh, opioids being given freely for uh, long-term use in chronic pain. and. Uh, I had some real heartburn with that, as did a couple of my colleagues. And uh, I realized, I, I, whether it was insightful or not, but at that time I realized this was not going to have a good ending. And uh, so I had a friend from military college call me out of the blue and um, suggested I come to work at BRC in San Antonio. And that got me looking into the company and uh, what it would mean for me. It meant a move from Vancouver down to San Antonio. Um, and uh, 17 years ago, I dived in and uh, made the transition. And in retrospect, it, it's been absolutely wonderful for me. After six months of uh, banker's hours, I realized that I was uh, dysthymic <laughs> as an emergency medicine physician. and getting a normal sleep routine was rejuvenating and uh, making this career. I, mean, I could not have lasted this long as an ER physician. I, I would have killed somebody or myself in the intervening period. Well, and going from those Vancouver winters to the San Antonio winters, <laughs> that was probably <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. That's funny. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Both of you have military backgrounds. Is, is that a requirement to work at BRC? Um, Austin, if you want to jump in here and then maybe you can go into a little bit more about why you decided to, to work at BRC. Sure. I don't think that military, I mean, it's definitely not a requirement to work at BRC. We do have a lot of military, but that may be also the nature of San Antonio. That was one of the things I enjoyed about BRC. It was in San Antonio um, I had spent three years here. I have family in Texas and my wife enjoyed the city. So uh, the happy wife, happy life was kind of the motto. And so there was no qualms with moving to San Antonio, Texas. But as far as joining BRC, it was probably my last year of military service or obligation. I started looking at other careers or options. I um, considered doing a fellowship in sports medicine or I said I was um, really just sports medicine would be the only fellowship I was considered. Just something to get me more outside of the ER full-time where I was just feeling stressed. I was tired. I had two young kids and just the shift work was starting to take its toll on me and I hadn't been doing it near as long as Dr. Bang. But uh, I was searching on, I can't remember if it was a board in Texas or some sort of position jobs where I actually came across Jesse and said, do you have an engineering degree and are you a medical physician? And then Yes, I am both of those. And so I kind of reached out to Jesse and we started talking and things just progressed from there. 
And so it actually has worked out really well. I still do practice clinically. I unfortunately have a shift coming up tomorrow night, but uh, I said it's not nearly as bad when I'm not doing it, you know, 15 shifts a month or so. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. I'm glad you did. So it sounds like it's possible to work with BRC, but still maintain somewhat of a clinical practice. Is that right? And, and how common is that, Austin? I, so I don't want to speak for everybody at BRC, but it's definitely um, the possibilities there. Again, it's more of a Monday through Friday banker's hours, as uh, Ted put it. So there's definitely room in the evenings. I primarily work Friday nights or Saturdays and Sundays, and I don't do it too frequently, just enough to stay clinically active, enough to help some patients and, again, move back to the BRC job. But uh, I'd say a majority are no longer practicing clinically. There's only a handful that are doing that now at this time at BRC, other physicians that are there. Yeah, yeah. I know physicians are all different and a lot of them do want to transition full-time into something else and um, really retire from that patient care. But there are a subset that are interested in keeping their skills active or just doing a couple of shifts a month like you do. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> so, so Ted, if you could kind of describe what you do, what's, what's a day in the life of a physician at BRC? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, we, uh, we work mostly for attorneys, um, not all, but mostly. Uh, they will ask us to analyze a case and determine the injury potential from that case, or if an injury happened, why did it happen? When did it happen? Was something to mitigate that. So uh, a good chunk of the day is spent uh, reviewing records of various types, um, police reports, accident reports, photographs, medical records. Um, and there's a lot of report writing involved. Uh, but on top of that, we do a lot of testing. We do a lot of full-scale crash testing, vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle testing. We put human subjects in the vehicles. We instrument the vehicles and the subjects, crash them together, and using the instrumentation and high-speed photography, analyze what happened to them. Um, there is travel involved. Uh, uh, you, you can be on the road to, this is pre-COVID, two or three, uh, easily two to four times a month where you may go out and inspect the vehicle, you may travel someplace to a trial. Um, so th that does fill, those things fill up the day. And it, uh, I find it very enjoyable for me is getting back to the engineering side of my education. And uh, it's, uh, every day is different. It's, uh, there's aspects that, again, report writing people can do that as drudgery, but uh, there's a lot of other things that's, uh, that are fascinating actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does every physician um, do the same thing that you just described? Um, or is that really dependent on the specialty of the physician? No, every, every uh, consultant that we hire does the same thing. Okay. Um, it, the specialty of the physician uh, doesn't matter uh, so much. Um, it's uh, because we're not being asked for the almost, almost never are we being asked to give medical opinions or to offer uh, treatment options. That, that's not our job. Our job is to look at things from a biomechanical, uh, biomedical 
perspective and give a causation opinions, which is very different than diagnosing and treating. So the, the medical specialty is not important. That's great to know. I know there are a lot of physicians that may be wondering that. So glad you called that out. It does sound like though an engineering background is required. Um, is, is that correct? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. We, we, mm -hmm. We've had, uh, I, I have a nuclear engineering background. We've had people with civil, electrical, uh, Austin's uh, biosciences or biomedical. Um, it really, from a practical perspective, it doesn't matter because the engineering principles you're using are common really to all disciplines. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Austin, were you worried when you came in about the, um, the deposition, the potential litigation, the time you'd spend in front of a jury? Um, just hearing Ted talk about that. I know a lot of physicians do worry about stuff like that. Um, tell me your thoughts on that and, and if, you do, if you do a lot of that. Sure, not a problem. I, I think like any new situation or any new undertaking, there's definitely some nervousness that goes along with it. And that was something that was a concern. My uh, uncle actually happens to be an attorney. And when I was talking about the nature of BRC and what they do, um, he mentioned, he's like, you're, you're doing science, you're studying whatever the facts of the case are, and you're presenting this objective measures, this objective truth. And so you're just explaining truthfully what occurred. And so I think when that mindset of, I'm just explaining what occurred from my medical background, my engineering background, it's not as, uh, as stressful as it needs to be. I, one of my uh, colleagues and mentors at BRC had said, you know, it's no worse than sometimes when you're waking up that surgeon or that trauma surgeon in the middle of the night, you know, calling them out of bed at two or three in the morning. There's nothing, you know, it's not going to be nearly as bad as that will with the deposition. So, and knowing that, you know, there's not, no one's life's on the line. I'm not resuscitating someone like I am in the, you know, a code situation. There's a lot less stakes from a patient's life being on the line that is with uh, these reports and depositions. So it's still, I'm still nervous about it, but it's not the mountain that I thought I was going to have to climb, at least thus far. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I do some expert witness work. And so I get asked that question quite a bit as well. And yeah, I, I think you explained it well when you described it's, it's just telling the truth and presenting the evidence. And, and that's really all it is. And when you hear that, and when you think about it, it makes it a lot more palatable and just, you know, it's very matter of fact. That's great. So um, what, what other careers did you consider when you were looking at, besides the fellowship, um, and Austin, I'd love to hear from you first, and then Ted, um, what other non-clinical type roles did you look at when you were looking at BRC? Sure. The, again, so the first thing was a fellowship to try and just get on normal hours. But I was also looking at, and I'd had advice from some of my colleagues that were in Georgia was maybe just scaling back the amount of time. When I was working in the military, unfortunately I didn't have really much control over my schedule is you need to work or if someone, an independent contractor couldn't show up, you just kind of were called to say, hey, go, everybody was on salary, so you just worked. And so I looked at doing some more um, lower pace or freestanding emergency departments to, so I guess clinical, but really just kind of back things down. And just, you know, I had the benefits of having gone through the military where they paid for a medical school. So repayments and loans weren't necessarily an option for me which would have been hard at my stage in the career to completely leave medicine and still have um, that debt burden. 
But I also looked some other things that uh, um, I considered with a bunch of my colleagues in Georgia, they own their own businesses, whether that was, they owned a nail salon, they owned a few other things. It was like, maybe I just need to branch out into um, kind of entrepreneurship. I like fitness. I like CrossFit, working out, those sort of things. My wife is very much into that. It's like, maybe we can find a niche being people that are educated with medicine, just kind of break into maybe that market. And then with the military background, and obviously where we were in Augusta, there's a huge military population. So we kind of looked at maybe doing our own business in kind of more the fitness mode, which could be a big risk. And I'm a little bit risk averse. So um, that was probably the only thing. It's like, I'm going to work for myself. And BRC kind of allows me to do that in a way. That's really neat. I love hearing the comparison between BRC and having a business. I, I know a lot of physicians are interested in that control um, just over their time and the, the autonomy that they're able to, to have in a, a workplace like that, where they can just really do the best job and see the results. And it sounds like you can do that at BRC. Yes, yes, you definitely can. You're you know, you obviously work for the attorneys who hire us, but the most part of my day is dictated by what I'm doing to fill my day up and how I'm approaching it. So not by the patients that they're walking through the emergency department or by the department chief telling I need to hit so many sepsis measures or something. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. So Ted, what else were you looking at as you were kind of considering what your options might be and looking at BRC, but also I think probably exploring other things? What, what were those things? Well, I don't have the entrepreneurial bent that Austin seems to have. So for me, it was, uh, uh, it, it was actually very limited. Uh, I, had, I was a volunteer ski patroller in Whistler and I was doing some um, um, providing medical services on the mountain as part of a group, uh, but that was volunteer work. That was not going to pay the bills. Um, uh, for a period of time, I was the um, uh, chief of uh, the Department of General Practice at the second hospital is at. Very, very large community hospital with 150 GPs on staff. So um, that was entirely separate from the, the emergency department and the group I belonged to. But I, doing that, I, I realized I didn't have the, um, put it the temperament to uh, be an administrator. Uh, and uh, so that was not a path that uh, was an option for me. I, I didn't uh, particularly enjoy that. Um, so if, you know, from my perspective, when you're in the trenches, I don't think there's a, there are a lot of opportunities for physicians to move out of the clinical work and take those that skill set and into another job. Um, it's unfortunate, but I, um, but at the same time, I was fortunate to find BRC and move from the medical side more towards the engineering side. Yeah, well, and as you were making that transition, did you have the experience that you needed in engineering? Or I guess what I'm asking is, how do you go from clinical practice to BRC? Were you given a, a training program or did you have some other experience that helped you hit the ground running when you started? Uh, well, 17 years ago, unfortunately, we did not have a training program. It was up to the new consultant to learn the job themselves. I was fortunate. I uh, tied up with two young PhD engineers that had just joined BRC and I really rode their coattails. Uh, nowadays though, we're, uh, we have a, a better training program. It's not perfect. Uh, and we're still trying to uh, formalize that uh, with the idea of telling a new consultant, 
coming on to BRC that you're going to go through a two or three year residency with us and put them into that mindset and develop a training program along that lines uh, because uh, the company wants them to be successful. They want to be successful. Uh, so the BRC needs to bring people along. When I can, I mean, I've been out of uh, uh, engineering or I'd finished engineering school 20 some years before I joined BRC. I mean, for me, it was really going back to the drawing board and uh, learning things all over again. But uh, the, the company is supportive of people doing that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it's very doable. And what really strikes me is the mentorship that it seems like exists within the company. Um, both of you guys have talked about mentors and riding the coattails of others and others helping you. Um, that's gold. Um, I mean, even a great training program doesn't, doesn't stand up to good mentorship and support from other physicians and whether they're MDs, DOs, or PhDs, I guess, who are, who are working there. So sounds like you really experienced that. Yes, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think it's a little more formalized for Austin, I'll let him speak to that, but this is something we're still working on. Yeah, yeah, Austin, I'd love to hear your experience coming in. How did you learn the ropes? Sure, I wasn't, uh... I wasn't as far out of um, my engineering background as Ted was, but it was exactly like how Ted described. It was, kind of, it was an internship. It wasn't nearly as bad as the internship that I was used to when I did that first year, you know, in residency or so. But it's definitely an internship. But at the same time, uh, medicine, you know, really prepares you in terms of reading a lot of literature, assessing literature for what's good science, what's bad science, because a lot of this is just grasping the biomechanical literature that um, we reference and we use. And so I, it's very, the job's very cerebral. Um, I spent a lot of time reading journal articles and a lot of that's medical journals as well as just uh, various biomechanical journals. So I think I was prepared from medicine having done that kind of critical appraisal of literature from that aspect. It's mostly just learning um, the other science behind what we do here that where you need these mentors to kind of guide you just like in medicine. You can read as much as you want in the books about you know, resuscitation, about acute management of various conditions. But until you have, you're doing it and you have someone actually overseeing you doing those things, you're just going to be flailing about. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, what about um, how you feel in terms of giving back and, and helping out these healthcare costs that are seemingly out of control? Does what you're doing feel like it's contributing to, to the solution? Is that part of why you feel just that BRC is a good choice and in terms of not practicing, but still doing something where you can use your medical background training and medical decision-making skills? Uh, coming from Canada and uh, coming down to the United States, being able to see both medical systems side by side. I, when I got here, I was astonished at the number of people who didn't have health care insurance and um, how a large subset of people who get involved in crashes use the litigation system to, to get medical care. That is an unbelievably expensive way to deliver health care because the plaintiff lawyers take 40% off the top and then you're getting physicians who are billing extraordinary amounts and uh, it's just very inefficient. Um, 
there's unfortunately a large amount of fraud within the system. So uh, I take the view that you have to have people doing this type of job to try to keep costs under control. Are we successful? I don't know. I'll let my clients speak to that, but uh, that's the approach I take. Yeah, I, I like that. Austin, is that similar to how you feel? Yes, I agree with Ted. I've obviously never worked in the healthcare system outside the country, at least not you know, formally. I mean, deployment's more still the American system. You're just overseas. But uh, I've worked, I think, the whole realm here in the United States where I, right now the hospital I go to, like tomorrow night, it's a underserved kind of more rural type ER. And so no one really has insurance there. The knowledge, you know, the medical knowledge that each patient I see possesses is going to be more limited to maybe um, other places that I've worked. I've also worked in the military system, which is the TRICARE, the VA system where everybody has health insurance. And I've also worked at the big academic kind of medical centers where you kind of get a mix of everything, Medicare, Medicaid, private payer. And I've found that, you know, when the military was nice where you didn't have to worry about anybody having access to care, that sometimes we were a little bit more just, um, we weren't quite as judicious. It was, ah, we'll get an MRI. Well, I mean, I ordered tests, you know, MRIs out of the ER, which I almost never, I don't have the capabilities of doing that at the hospital I work at now. And if I did, no one's going to be able to afford that anyway. So I think doing this does kind of help with the, like Ted said, kind of combating some of the fraud that may be involved in our healthcare system. Yeah, I think it's a good way for physicians to understand a little bit more about the business side in, in a very practical way and contribute to that solution. So um, I love that. Well, we are coming to the end of the podcast. So what I'd like to do is just have each one of you give a little bit of advice to the listener who may be still on the fence about what they want to do and are looking at a non-clinical career, maybe either wanting to dip their toe in or ready to go and, you know, want that job yesterday. Um, what, what advice would you give him or her? And Ted, I'd love to hear from you first. Well, I, looking after yourself, I think is very important. I mean, you, 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 you've got to have a quality of life that you're comfortable with. That's going to allow you to, be busy and productive. And if the shift work is getting you down or the, uh, the demands being made on you are, are not um, uh, consistent with what you feel from an ethical or even just a pure good medicine perspective, then you have to be looking elsewhere. Um, it, it, I said earlier, it's difficult uh, to find uh, something to uh, slide into, but um, if, if someone's looking uh, at a transition and they have an engineering degree, I mean, we, we would probably take them in a, in a heartbeat. When I moved down, uh, I got my Texas license because I wanted to have a, an insurance policy where I could shift over to clinical work if I didn't like the job or the job didn't work out. So, um, but, but people who uh, come and join us, as I said, like Austin, um, he does clinical work. Most of the recent people who've joined us over the past five to eight years have done clinical work for uh, a portion of the time. And then as they get busier in the job with BRC, they've all transitioned out of, out of doing any clinical work. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Austin, how about you? What advice would you give? Sure. I, again, I haven't recently done it a year and a half, two years ago. The hardest transition for me was just that initial decision to leave medicine, especially 
um, <laughs> I think with a family position, you know, we were getting out of the military. We, and I've been doing moonlighting, but it's like, is there, you know, now we're going to be full-time as the physician. You've reached it. We're past residency, past this. And it was just that decision where my identity was in medicine. Everything I had known for the last you know decade or so was just completely geared towards medicine and just getting, I guess, I don't know what the right term would be, but allowing myself to be okay with stepping into a new environment that I had never done. That If it didn't work out, I was going to stay clinically active, that I could still go back into medicine, not being willing to completely abandon it, but just the courage, I guess, to go and do that and the support of my wife and my family to you know, be, to really be behind the decision. She, she was probably the biggest supporter of it all. She said, you're miserable whenever you go to work, you're miserable when you come home from work, you're miserable the day before work. Like there's just no time when you're not miserable unless it's here with your kids when you have those two or three days off in between work. And so um, she, she was really supportive, which I think was the biggest uh, help to me at least. Oh yeah. Well, it definitely helps to have a supportive spouse. And so I'm really grateful you have that. Um, guys, thank you so much for being part of this. It's, I, I think it's really going to make a difference for those physicians who are listening and just, again, trying to figure out what all their options are and where their niche is in a non-clinical career. So um, I'm sure you've helped more than one person today. Thank you guys for being on. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. If you are jazzed up after listening to this, hit that subscribe button or check out more at Physicians Helping Physicians, www.phphysicians, with an S on the end, dot com. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you.